Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to a city that's set on a hill. Its ruler and maker is the Lord God above. Oh, I'm going to a city and it's set on a hill. And someday I'll be in heaven and there'll be no sorrow there. Oh, I'm going to a city that lies four square. Hello, everybody. God bless you today. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We have a great program for you today. We have the author, Christine Wick, and her book, Explain This, and it's a verse-by-verse explanation of the book of Revelation. So we are going to have a great Bible study today. Uh, We will be talking about the Great Tribulation, the Battle of Armageddon, and Is Your Name Written in the Lamb's Book of Life? So uh, we have that coming up for you in a few minutes. Also, I want to let you know that the uh, chat room is open. So we'll be checking the chat room. And uh, this is also a live call-in program. And uh, if you'd like to call in, the number is 914-338-1638 if you have any questions for Christine or myself during during the hour. Um, also, uh, we have a website for you. It's propheticnews.com. And uh, we also have a YouTube channel. And the YouTube channel is Jonah T for Tom 48. So you can uh, check on our videos. Um, we have about 17 videos there, and uh, there's some great information for you to help you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you can become a good Berean. And uh, check everything out that we say or anybody else says with the Word of God. Uh, we had a few interesting uh, news stories uh, in the past week or so. Um, Eddie Long, who was accused of having sexual relationships with four young men in his congregation, has, instead of going to court to fight the charges, And to prove himself innocent, he has paid off the four young men uh, with a reported settlement of anywhere from 10 to 15 million dollars. So, I think if this is my feeling anyway, if somebody is innocent, uh, they go to court and they prove their innocence. They don't pay people what what it seems like to me is bribe money to shut them up. So anyway. God is not mocked. Uh, whatever Eddie Long has done, it will be brought to light. And um, it would be better for him to repent. Uh, God can forgive people who are truly repentant, and also the body of Christ can. But uh, the body of Christ doesn't like cover-ups. <laughs> 
and uh, I think if you're going to be proclaim yourself to be a uh, minister of the Lord Jesus Christ and you're pastoring a church, that you have to be above reproach. And uh, yes, if you do sin, uh, you can repent and God will forgive you. So uh, it seems like they're having some problems there at the church too, that um, there there has been uh, many people that have left the church. So... Uh, Good for them. Um, You know, if someone is uh, preaching a false gospel and not living a Christian lifestyle, I don't think there's any reason why you should have to stay in a church. Uh, Let's look at uh, Revelation 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto us his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. The book of Revelation is a book which uh, can show us the future. No, we don't need psychics. Uh, we don't need witchcraft and Ouija boards and all that. That is not of God. Uh, we have the word of God. Uh, the word of God is true. And it is our guidebook for life uh, to show us the future, and we don't have to be afraid of the future because we know that um, God is going to be with us and protect us. So if there is any of you out there today that you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is a good day. Today is the day of salvation, and this would be a good day for you to give your life to Jesus Christ and to know that no matter what happens on the earth, Uh, God will be with you, he will protect you, and he will see you through. And uh, we know that we have a home in heaven. Heaven is a real place, it's a real city, Um, and God the Father lives there. No man has seen God the Father. Uh, Jesus Christ, of course, we know that he came to earth. He uh, was born in Bethlehem, and uh, he died, he rose again and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he is coming again. Hallelujah. So we have that blessed hope. I'm going to bring my guest on the air now. My my guest, um, Christine. Christine. Yes, I'm having trouble here on my switchboard. Let me try this again. Uh, for some reason, I'm having trouble here with this switchboard. It doesn't want to let me bring my guest on. So let me try this again. Hello, Christine. I am here. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Did you bring me on now? Yes, I finally brought you on. <laughs> I was having some kind of a error message come up. I never saw that before. But anyway, here we are. Yes. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Uh, Christine is the author, like I said before, of the book "Explain This," and it is a verse by verse explanation of the book of Revelation. So. Yes, it is. It's been an exciting trip in writing the book and the responses that I've got from those who have read it. I imagine it would be because 
most people don't take the time to do a verse by verse explanation. <laughs> well, I think a lot of, of the books that I have read on Revelation, they skip a lot of it that they don't understand. And, you know, and that's okay. Rather than trying to give a false report on something you don't know anything about or or if you feel uncomfortable with a particular part of Revelation that you just cannot explain, it's better to just move forward throughout the rest of Revelation. But when I was doing the studies on Revelation, it just every single part, it, if I struggled with something, it came to me later um, in, in, a, in one of the instances, it was a very strange way that I that I got an idea of what it could mean. And at, at that point, it was like, you know what, I've got to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So how many years have you been studying? Well, I've always had a love for prophecy ever since I was little. Um, my Jack, my Jack Ben Impey was brought into the house with my dad, um, and that was basically through written material. So as probably as young as eight or nine, I was reading all Jack Ben Impey's material. My dad always had a love for Israel. My dad was one of those generations that saw Israel become a nation. Oh. <clears throat> and so that was a prophecy back in my father's day. Uh, my dad was around 20 years old when that took place, and there was a lot of talk in Europe. Um, obviously, my, my dad was an immigrant, and he came over on the boat from the Netherlands. And, oh. uh, he uh that was a lar- very large, you know, um, uh, part of the country that was affected by the slaughter of the Jews. Yes, it was. And uh, so when... You know, a lot of talk was going along the churches then about the prophecy of Israel becoming a nation and how improbable that would ever be. But yet yes, he's seen that happen. Yeah, especially during World War II. Yeah, exactly. And then he's seen that happen, and uh, you know, and so he has a very strong love for Israel, and that brought into the home with me growing up. Um, I grew up in a very strong Christian family. So I always had, you know, the background of the Bible every, you know, almost weekly with catechisms and Christian school and Sunday school and church twice a day. And so I grew up with the knowledge of the Bible, didn't apply it to my life until much later in life when I became saved about 15 years ago. But the prophecy thing always stuck with me, whether it was Nostradamus or Edgar Casey. But when I became saved, the biblical prophecy really came forward. And yeah. that's when I started digging more into John Hagee, um, you know, kind of getting Jack Benimpi back into my life again and just, you know, taking in what they were saying. Um, Grant Jeffrey was a favorite. I have their books. And then I started digging onto my own because it, my church wanted to do a study of Revelation and nobody would step up to lead it. So that kind of put me on the spot because I seemed to know the most. Yeah. So um, they kind of nominated me. <laughs> I didn't volunteer. Yeah. I got nominated. <laughs> and well, uh, they said, Chris, why do you do it? And yeah. uh, that's what took me into the depth that I needed to bring out for my teaching every every week. We met two hours every Sunday night, and we did it for 12 weeks. And we went oh, through Revelation wow. verse by verse. Uh-huh. And that's what got me seeing the stuff that I found. Unbelievable what I found. Not only yeah. from current events, from historic events, but what the rest of the Bible does to explain Revelation. Yeah. Well, um, 
that's the thing. See, we can read other people's materials and uh, listen to tapes and things like that, but it's it's always different when you do your own study. Yeah. And uh, you know, the Bible encourages us to do that, to be Bereans and, and to uh, read the Word for ourselves and, and find out if those things be so. Right. So and, you I, know, I know, one of the... One of the, the the very, you know, people look at my book and say, well, this is your view. This is your interpretation. I says, yes, it is. But I says, when you have a car accident that occurs at four corners and there are four different people from four different angles that have seen the same accident, the police officer, to get an accurate description of what happened, has to get each one of the person's view and then right. make an analogy as to what happened at this car accident. And I says, that's what we also need to do. Take in the different views and allow the Holy Spirit to decipher them for you and uh, and help you understand it. Yeah. Uh, of course, we know that uh, there are many false prophets uh, in the world today, as Jesus said there would be, who uh, uh, the, the ones that you mentioned, like Edgar Casey and Ostradamus, Right. And people that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, they look to these uh, false prophets for information. And uh, you can't really get the correct information unless you're getting it from uh, God's Word, from the Bible. And you've been born again so that you can see the the, the truth. You would, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So uh, God opens up our eyes, our spiritual understanding, so that we can see what the Word of God says, and, of course, the Bible does tell the future. And um, one of the, the, the things that the Bible does talk about in the book of Revelation is the great tribulation. Right. <clears throat> and, uh, of course, we've seen the beginnings of tribulation here on the earth with the disaster in Japan, uh, the terrible tornadoes that have never been seen before, mile-long tornadoes ripping through uh, Joplin, Missouri, especially, and destroying over 75% of that city. Uh, this week, the news has come out of Europe that a, a deadly strain of E. coli was found on uh, fruits and vegetables, and 18 people have died. Thousands have been sickened. Uh, now, these things haven't been seen or uh, heard of, in times past, there's never been a tornado on record as there was a few weeks ago. So, Christine, what uh, scriptures do you have, and can you explain what is the Great Tribulation? Well, the Great Tribulation is definitely defined in greater detail throughout the book of Revelation. Um, these things that are happening now, a lot of people think we are already in the Great Tribulation, and we do know from the book of Daniel, that the tribulation amount of time is going to be seven years. It is that 70th week translates into seven years of, of in, in the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel. Yeah. <clears throat> right. And that's a whole other talk show to explain how the book of Daniel relates to Revelation. That's, <laughs> uh, that's another yeah, that's that's, that's a whole other talk show. That's a whole other show. Yeah, that is, there's a lot of information there. <laughs> Let's yeah. come under the understanding that we know the tribulation period is a seven-year time span. And it starts with the opening of a treaty signed by the Antichrist with many nations, including the nation of Israel. 
Now, to me, we have, like I said, this is my point of view, since a lot of people think that with the increase of earthquakes and hurricanes that we are in the tribulation period. (coughs) But let's look at a couple of things in Revelation that say we're just maybe on the cusp of it. We're not quite there yet. (laughs) First of all, we do not have a signed treaty with Israel. Okay, there is nothing okay, there. Okay, so where in the scripture is that? that oh, that's in the book of Revelation. Um, oh, boy. And the book, I mean, book of Daniel, sorry. Book of Daniel. Oh, let's see here. And he signs a treaty with one for for one week. Let me see if I can find it. Is that Daniel 9? Oh, it could be. Let me look here. If you were going to ask me that, I would have had it ready. That's okay. Uh, Let's see here. There we go. Yes, it is. It's Daniel 9, verse 27, where it describes the Antichrist. And it says this, I'll read from the Living Bible here. It says, this king, or the Antichrist, will make a seven-year treaty with the people. And we know that this is the Antichrist king because it says further into that passage, after half that time, so three-and-a-half-year point, he will break his pledge and stop the Jews from all their sacrifices and their offerings. Then as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will utter defile the sanctuary of God. So we do know that at the three-and-a-half-year point, the Antichrist does enter into the temple and declare himself to be God. And that's, you know, a part of, that's the mid-trib, and that's where they feel the separation between the, the, the two tribulations. Many people say, and and I maybe agree with this, we have a tribulation period, and then at the three-and-a-half-year point, when the Antichrist takes over the temple and declares himself to be God, that's when he really focuses on all believers that are on the earth at that point, and then starts the great tribulation from that point forward to the end of of, of the seven years. So, so what kind of, uh, what uh, what are the signs to look for as far as what is going to happen right before that that would point to uh, this peace treaty being signed? Well, what are the for events? one thing, well, Israel is not at peace with anybody right now. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, 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 people, at what's going on in Israel. Very, very important to stay focused there because all the nations will end up turning against Israel. And I believe Ezekiel's war, in which a nation or all the nations led by Russia, which is the king to the north, groups everybody together and plans a massive attack against Israel. Now, the king to the north, where is that? That's the Gog. That's where your Gog Magog comes in. Okay. Now, like I said, this is just my interpretation of it, but I actually follow John Hagee on this. Me and John agree with this um, scenario. Um, the reason why, there's a number of clues, and there's one major clue found in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. That's describing Ezekiel's war. We are headed for that as we speak. And in there it says, after God destroys um, 80% of the armies upon the mountains of Israel, God's anger arises in this day, by the way. This is now, is this God's... going to be a foot, foot soldiers coming over from Russia and China? Yeah, well, no, it, I mean, it says the whole world. It names a number of nations, and they're all Muslim. 
Is it got Iran coming? You have Egypt. Now look at Egypt. Egypt was a friend of Israel. No longer, no more. That was unbelievable in January when Mubarak left. Israel got a new enemy, and it was called the Muslim Brotherhood. So, and they are already trying to get um, uh, Egypt and Tehran or Iran are our enemies. And just over the new cast, the last two days, Egypt has extended a hand to Ahmoud Abinajad to say, hey, come join us and let's be friends. And that right there is is coming. So we can start to see the enemies of Israel start gaining up against her. And we have all this Arab spring and Arab summer, now they're calling it, there's a reason for it. It's not democracy. <laughs> People got to realize this. It is Muslim Brotherhood. And their main goal is to get rid of Israel, the destruction yeah. of Israel. Yeah. And so as we see Israel sitting there, this tiny little country, the size of Rhode Island, when you have all the rest of the nations around her looking to destroy her, actually God's anger arises, it says, in Ezekiel 39 and he becomes very angry then with those nations that come up against Israel. And he declares destruction upon them. So when those nations are destroyed, then Israel starts to probably gain a little bit of an attitude. I mean, they're the victor at that point. And actually they say Israel goes back and plunders the rest of those nations that came after her. So she starts having a little bit of an attitude. And this is where I see the Antichrist arising and say, whoa, 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 let's sign a treaty here with Israel. I mean, they're invincible. they got God on their side. What and, about Syria? Pardon? What about Syria? Oh, well, look at the, what Syria is going through right now. I mean, they're going through a major upheaval. No matter how much killing President Assad will do, there are still stronger and stronger protests happening. And Syria is not a friend of Israel, but Assad, President Assad, has been somewhat of a friend with the United States in a roundabout way. Oh. One of those things that he'll do to save face. And the people don't like it, for one thing. I mean, we're considered the big Satan, and Israel is the little Satan. Oh. But going back to that clue in Ezekiel chapter 39 where it says that after this war has been done with with Ezekiel's war, Israel picks up the weapons and burns them for seven years. They have enough fuel for seven years where they don't need to cut any tree down. And to me that was a clue right there, seven and seven Look at we have this occurring then right at the point of tribulation starting or the beginning of tribulation starting, where Israel has seven years to have fuel, to last her through the tribulation period. And that to me was a clue that Ezekiel's war must occur before or at the beginning of the tribulation period. Another thing that stuck out for me is the opening of the seals. Notice how the first four seals are also the first four horses. When the first seal is opened, there is a white horse that comes out. And we believe that to be the Antichrist horse. That's not Christ coming on there. He comes on a white horse, but that's later on. Yeah. 
here is an antichrist that comes out on a white horse, and he comes out with diplomacy. He's carrying a bow, but it has no arrows. So in other words, this is somebody who can work with diplomacy, can work with the smoothness of a silver tongue. He can conquer nations, and, and I mean, he can just, he, he sets up treaties. He's, he's creating, actually, a peace. Yeah. And we, and we know that because when the second horse comes out, the peace gets taken away. Now, we do not have world peace right now. No. Uh-uh. No way. And this is an idea that I have is Ezekiel's war comes along and when God conquers all those armies or sets up himself in Israel, all the people kind of like, okay, well, now there's no, we have nobody to go after. Israel is now untouchable. Is there a possibility then that we all decide to settle down and we all decide to agree upon world peace? brought on by the Antichrist. And to me, this will be a time of euphoria for everybody but a believer. Yeah. <laughs> because the Antichrist, <laughs> and we will, God says he will reveal that to us. So for those who have wisdom, they will calculate the number in his name. So we will start seeing the seven-year treaty being signed, and all along the Christian lines, people are going to start seeing who that Antichrist will be, and we will be keeping an eye on him. You can guarantee it. Yeah. Because that so seven-year Does the Bible treaty, say that we will know who he is? Well, God said he will reveal that. Yeah, for those. Yeah, I, I do believe that. I do believe we will know who he is. I don't think God would allow the mark of the beast to come along without nobody realizing what they're doing. Now, what I, is I, I, the mark God's of the beast? I'm not in the business to fool people. No. What is the mark of the beast? That is an interesting, in fact, let me read it out of the Living Bible here. Let me see if I've got the verse that says the mark of the beast. Hold on here. I think it's Revelation, is it 18? Oh, let's see here. I'd like to read it because... It is something that, if I read it out of the Living Bible, it's really unique. Let's see. Okay, here we go. I'm going to read it out of the Living Bible. He required everyone, great and small, rich and poor, slave and free, in other words, everyone, to be tattooed with a certain mark on the right hand or on the forehead. Now, you're saying, okay, that's the Living Bible. It says tattooed. Did you know that the original Greek meaning for the word mark in the book of Revelation here means to prick? Yeah. So, to tattoo a mark. Now, people are like, okay, well, everybody, you know, this about everybody's got a tattoo. What's the uh, verse, Revelation what? It is Revelation 13, verse 16. Now, I'm going to go back to this tattoo thing here in a minute. Let's go ahead and finish up the verse. To be tattooed with a certain mark on the right hand or on the forehead, and no one could get a job or even buy in any store without the permit of that mark, which was either the name of the creature or the code number of his name. Now, they're saying, okay, we don't have that technology yet. We're a mark could be your identification. Did you know that we already do? 
There is a company in the United States. If people want to write this down, you can go right to their website. It is called, and look at the name, SoMark, S-O-M-A-R-K, SoMarkInnovations.com. Yeah. Click on their website. They have the technology. They're using it on animals right now. To have a tattoo that is printed through the skin, it goes right through the fur, and it contains metals in the ink that can be picked up by a reader or by a computer within 50 feet of the computer. Wow. People, this is it. This is how the Bible can be a literal explanation here. It is a mark that has your identification in it. And they're doing it already. My dog, I mean, my dog has the chip in his neck. Yeah. You know, I mean, people were putting that into their pets as a means of, when he gets lost, we can track him. Yeah. And and that is amazing in itself. I would never put a chip in my kid, but there's a lot of people who already are doing it. Yeah, they're doing it. Yeah. I heard that they they were even doing it without people knowing it. It's a friend of mine worked in a hospital. He said yeah. ba- when babies were being born, they were doing it without the parents knowing it. Right. Now, but let me people... read that scripture in the uh, King James Revelation uh, thirteen sixteen, and yeah, he calls us all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Right. Wow. Now look at that tiny little two-letter word before the word in. I mean, it's the word um, in before the word hand or forehead. You notice that? It's not yeah. on the hand. It's not on the forehead. Yeah, in, it's in. Right. It's in. It means it's embedded. Yes. And I do yeah. believe the chip plays a crucial part because it desensitizes us to what is coming. It's no big deal now to be placed with identification. <clears throat> it's like, you know, we've we've had the barcodes since 1973 on our products. Yeah. I remember when we first got the can of food in the house, my mother said, that's the mark of the beast. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, what? That's a code. That's computer. That's mark of the beast. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people wouldn't buy anything with that code on there when it came out. I remember that. Oh. And it was because they had a stigma attached to it. But now it's no big deal. In fact, oh, it's, it's on no the back of deal. my own book. And we yeah. need that to buy and sell products. Yeah, now we do. But it's interesting, too, how many people are getting tattoos years exactly. ago. It it's was the, a horrible thing if you got a tattoo. It was a oh, stigma and then attached to it. you wanted to, to take it off, and you hated it. But right, now you were either just released from prison when you had one, or you were a member of a biker gang, or, or yeah. something that was related to something bad. You oh, were it was shameful to have it. Was, you were ashamed of having a tattoo now. It's like you see 70-year-old people with tattoos, yeah. young people with tattoos and yeah, tattoos on their face and on their neck and all these tattoos. So it yep, just kind a, of all plays into this scenario for the end times. It is a desensitization. To have a tattoo now on the hand or the forehead would be no big deal. It's just right. a tattoo. Right. And, uh, so this to me is the devil's way 
of not just shoving the door open and running in the room. Uh-uh. It's slowly inching that forward and getting a foot in and then a knee in and then a shoulder in. And that's how we are with our society today. And uh, it's it's something that just, you know, just keep an eye on. Just because somebody gets a tattoo, does that mean that they are going to be with the Antichrist? Well, no. <laughs> I mean, my grandma's got one. <laughs> but when you have a tattoo on your hand or on your forehead that links you to identification, because then it links you to the allegiance of the Antichrist. The two go hand in hand. Yeah. Then you have a problem. Yeah, then you have a problem. But we can kind of see how uh, things are happening now. Uh, it's interesting how even at the airports with the um, what they what they call pat downs, but it's really a molestation, and how. People are coming, they'll accept anything. They'll accept a tattoo. Like you said, they'll accept a mark. They'll accept being violated. Uh, and people really, truly have become desensitized. Um, it, it's really amazing to see because I never I, I, I never thought I was going to see this day in my lifetime with the, with the great falling away that's happening in the church and the um, the things that are happening in the world with politics, the uh, hatred of the Jews, um, the hatred for the nation of Israel, um, the rise of the Muslims, uh, which years ago, uh, I would say probably back in the 80s, I would hear people talking about um, Muslims and how they were going to take over England. They were building mosques there and and I and I started to travel over to England. At first, I didn't believe it, but then when I went over there and I saw the uh, mosques and I saw the the huge population, um, I realized that it was it was going to be a growing threat. And then, of course, the things that have happened here. Oh yeah. But um, what about the Battle of Armageddon? What is the Battle of Armageddon? Okay, it's um, obviously something that is an actual place. Many people will spiritualize this Armageddon. They will say that that is the battle against good and evil within us. Well, it is in a way, but to me it is a literal place. It is called the Valley of Megiddo, the Valley of Jezreel. Um, There's a number of um, names that it has been called. Now, what is amazing is that you can actually take a tour there. Um, or they call it the Valley of Megiddo, and if you go there, where is, is it? Oh, go ahead. Where is that? Uh, um, it's what was located of outside of Jerusalem. I don't have a map really in front of me. Israel is a very small country, so it's okay, located. Okay, so it right, is there, just yeah, outside of Israel. Yep, it it is in in Israel. It is in the nation of Israel, and okay. it's uh, yeah, it's it's located between two mountain ranges. Um, it's like, oh, it's a valley, obviously, the Valley of Megiddo, which means, by the way, to slaughter or to cut off. Nowhere on any other place in the world has more battles transpired in this area of the world, which is another amazing thing. It was named the Valley of Slaughter to begin, you know, just for a reason. If you would go there, there, I mean, you can even Google this on the Internet, and, and this, you can see a picture of it. 
for miles and miles, this thing stretches. It's called, it's a large valley, valley, and there are no settlements there, no cities, no houses. It is completely house and, and business free. It is why all is agriculture. That? You know? Pardon? Do you know why? I think because of this. There's no cities there. Yeah. Because. That's odd, isn't it? It's it's yeah it is just something that God has kept fertile for one thing it is very fertile and that's why it's all farmland there's orchards in there and there's all open farmland because according to the word of God in the book of Revelation there is coming a 200 million man army towards Israel and they will camp in the valley of Megiddo. Oh, and so there's the 200 only one million man army, can... does it come from Russia and China? It comes from all over, but it looks like according to the, the pouring out of the sixth, sixth bowl and the sixth trumpet, um, it comes from China with, with more people along the way. So it originates in China. Now, here's another thing with God's hand. I find this incredible. In order for China to have kept its population down, what did they do 20 years ago? You could only have one child. You bet. And it happens to be Chinese culture that you really should have a boy. Yeah. And many of the girls are killed or aborted. Yes. And that's why to get a Chinese girl is very easy. I mean, it actually saves their life if you adopt a Chinese girl. Oh, because people abort them, and you are severely fined if you have two children. Yes. We now have a problem in China, because since this rule was enacted, there are more Chinese boys than there are Chinese girls. Yes, yes. And they have an issue now. Yeah, they have so, an issue. in order for the boy to become something, he just enlists into the army. They now have a 200 million man army. Do they, they really? They got it. <laughs> that wow. was God's hand into producing an actual army of this magnitude that comes from the east. And the great river Euphrates is dried up, which is, again, a whole other talk show how that happens. And as they move forward to Israel, now they're not really fighting Israel. They're fighting Jesus Christ because right. at this point the Antichrist has them convinced that they can do it. So I believe the situation (laughs) on the earth is so terrible and that they know that all these calamities are coming from God, such as the famine, such as the earthquakes. We have the third of the sea turns to blood. We have a third of the earth being burned up. These are all calamities from God that they have it in their head that they can all come up against God and fight God. Yeah, that, if it isn't the beginning of the Great Tribulation, isn't, isn't there a three-and-a-half-year period of great prosperity and that's, when the yep. Antichrist appears on the scene and he just he makes everything wonderful and yep. and people are prosperous and everything's going that's so great? That's what I said in the writing out of that first horse, the white horse. Yes, yeah. brings out peace. He has the answers to everything. And then when the second horse comes out, things go south in a hurry. <laughs> yeah. For everybody, not just mainly for the Christian, but for everybody. 
and uh, and of course there's then you know we have the all the tribulation that comes upon earth in natural sense natural phenomenons the you know just umpteen amount of things that are scattered throughout revelation that tell us we have a terrible time nature wise too so we have a complete army here moving and they set in the valley of megiddo and this is where I found something that intrigued me. In fact, I, I called a few people on this when I was working on this one night. And I says, when Jesus Christ comes back as the victor on the white horse, um, I'm trying to think what chapter that is. Let's see here. If it might be Revelation 19. I believe it's Revelation 19. Maybe it's I like that 10. scripture. And he comes in he's... He doesn't he he's wearing an inscription faithful and true. Right, but did you notice his garment? His garment has been dipped in blood. Yeah. Okay. Now, do you notice what the armies behind him are wearing? They are also wearing fine white linen, but those are clean. They are not dipped in blood. Yeah. So I'm thinking here. Why is Jesus' garments dipped in blood? In other words, it's almost like his garments were set into something, dipped. I mean, just set into something where the bottom portion of his garments are red. But the army's clothing behind him, or the saints behind him, are clean. They haven't been soiled. Jesus Christ's are soiled. And I thought, okay, this is now a reflection of the treading of the wine press. When somebody treads a wine press, they are smashing grapes into, you know, the floor of the of the wine press. And what happens when you smash grapes? They squirt. Right? Yes. That's what's causing the garment to have blood on it from the bottom portion of Jesus' robe. Now, if you have the Valley of Megiddo with 200-plus million people in it, and I believe at that point we have the seventh trumpet sounding, and it's also a part of the sixth seal, where we have 100-pound hailstones that fall. And this is where Jesus says he treads the wine press. Now, in the book of Revelation, it states, and I'm trying to find it. <laughs> well, I'm going to go by memory here. It states that the blood coming out of the wine press, notice it's not wine, it's blood. The blood that comes out of the wine press runs 180 miles and is the height of four feet. This, people, is what happens when you get approximately how many quarts of blood per human? Well, it gets gross here. <laughs> It really gets grotesque. But if you think of it, each person holds so much blood and then it gets squished by the trampling of the feet of Jesus Christ. The blood flows that high, the height of the horse's bridle, which is about three to four feet, yeah. and the length of 120 or 180 miles. Did you know that that's the length of the Valley of Megiddo? Oh, so what happens then now when this million-man army, 20-million-man or whatever it is, my goodness. 200 what happens, million. It's a 200-million-man army. 
and they go they come into the valley of Megiddo to uh attack Israel. And well, is they, this when the second Israel. coming happens? Pardon? Is this when the second coming happens? Um very possible. Um I we know that Christ comes at that point to tread the wine press. But you know Understand this here. Jesus Christ's big feet don't come down on earth and squish the people. I mean, come on here. We don't see that. We see that with the 100-pound hailstones. That would squish a body. And to me, this is where Jesus Christ does that all by himself. Because this is where the armies of heaven are clean and he has got his robes soiled. So this is where I went back and forth going, the valley of Megiddo, you know what? We don't fight in that valley. We don't come with Christ there. He already does that beforehand all by himself. We actually fight in a second battle that occurs later called the Great Supper of God. That's when Christ comes with his armies behind him. And then we finish off the rest of the world. It's a little bit of a concept that I struggled with because it just didn't make sense that how could Jesus' robes be dipped in blood but the armies behind him were clean? And this told me that the Battle of Armageddon, the treading of the wine press, was done by Jesus Christ alone. You kind of see where I'm going with that? Now, I've had some people argue with me on that and going, no, 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 no. We are the ones that come back with Christ and do the treading of the wine press. And I says, no, Jesus does that himself. That is his fury. Yeah. And there is a second battle that follows afterwards called the Great Supper of God. And that, I'm trying to find that here. You, you, sometimes, guys, you got to go through the book of Revelation again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. <laughs> you have to go through it again. Uh, one thing um, I wanted to, I have a few people in the chat room. I know that they um, do not know Jesus Christ personally and have not been born again. And I wanted to uh, just discuss for my listeners and and the uh, people that are in the chat room um, about the book of life. And uh, if you want to, uh, if some of the people in the chat room or the people that are listening, if you want to look at Daniel 12, we're going to look at these scriptures and I'll talk about them with Christine and Revelation 20. But if you look at Daniel 12, uh, verse 1, it says that, And at the time shall Michael stand up the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And then if you go to uh, Revelation It's actually 20, verse 15. I've got it right here. Okay, you want to read that? You bet, coming out of the Living Bible. And if anyone's name was not found recorded in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. 
that to me is about as clear as the hand in front of my face right now. If your name is not written in the book of life, if you are not born again, if you're not of <laughs> the if you're not saved, if you have not confessed Christ as your personal savior, your split decision of following the antichrist and taking the mark and or following Jesus Christ is going to be your eternity or where you want to be. I mean, this is your decision. Make yourself available for the book of life. Yes. And, uh, and you know what? We are given the knowledge. If you're there, if, you, if you're wondering whether or not your name is in the book of life, you better reconsider your life because you should know if your name is written there. You will know it. The Holy Spirit yes. gives, you, gives you that. Yes, you do know it. Uh, I know that uh, because I, I can tell by some of the um, statements that are coming through in the chat room that uh, some of the people do not know that if their name is written in the in the book of life or if they are uh, born again. Because if you are born again, you can you will understand the Bible. You will uh, know who Jesus Christ is. He is God. Uh, He is the Son of God. And we have God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And um, Jesus Christ came on the earth. He lived in Israel. Um, He practiced the Jewish traditions. Um, He died on a cross. He paid the penalty for our sins. Uh, If you know anything about the Old Testament, there had to be a sacrifice for sin, and it was a lamb. But God sent the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, and his son Jesus Christ, who paid the price for your sins so that you could be free and uh, your, the eyes of your understanding can be opened. Because you can't, you can't understand the Bible because it's spiritually discerned. And we know, uh, Christine, don't we, that before we were blind and we couldn't see. We couldn't understand God. Uh, we couldn't understand the things of God. We were living in darkness. But yet that simple miracle, and it's very simple to be born again and to accept Jesus Christ into your life, that your eyes are opened and then you can see and understand and how beautiful a book the Bible becomes to you. Absolutely. You know, and I I tell people this, too. I say, do you believe that Jesus Christ was born on, on earth and, and walked on the earth? And and most people will say yes, whether they're even a Christian or not. They do have a little bit of that sense of, yes, I do believe there was a man named Jesus Christ who was born. And I yeah. said, do you want to know how many prophecies that were made before his death, even as far as 2,000 years prior to his death, that were made even to the exact town he would be born in, the prophecies of his death that were made, I says each one was fulfilled, each and every one was fulfilled exactly to the word that it was stated. They are triple the amount of prophecies concerning the end of the world and his return. Yes. If you believe in the first group of his prophecy of coming then you better believe his second prophecy of his coming back 
Right, that's a good way to put it. People will debunk any Christian out there who believes, and when you get a man named Harold Camping that makes a mockery of it, it's like, people, you got to understand, we are coming to a situation here where you are going to be forced to make a decision. Either your name is in the book of life or you choose to have a mark of the beast. It will be either one, and there will be no fence writing. There will be none of this, I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to wait and hear more. It's going to come a time where it ain't going to be no time. Right. And these are the people who are going to be the scoffers, who are unfortunately, there's so many of them, but they will be making a decision also. And yes. I, I it's tell like you, you said, and that was a great point, that almost everyone on the earth today knows that Jesus Christ was here. Yeah. And uh, they know that he lived in Israel. Many think, he, oh, he was a great prophet or he was just a man. or But they know that they believe that he actually was here. And uh, they haven't accepted yet who he who he is and uh, what he did for them. And uh, the, the Bible says that you must be born again. And uh, I'm going to go over to that scripture because... It's so simple. I don't I don't think that uh, we have to make salvation difficult and that people have to work for their salvation. And uh, I know for me, when I got down on my knees 31 years ago and uh, I asked Jesus, I didn't know if he was real or not. And I asked him to, to show me that he was real. I asked him to come into my life and prove himself real to me, and he did. And he changed my life. It it, it couldn't have... Nobody else ever changed my life like that. No other religion or or, uh, cult or anything like that ever changed me the way he did. And uh, I know that it's real. And you see that if... um, you want in some of the people in the chat room if you have a Bible, or you can go on the internet and look at uh, John three, and you see that uh, Jesus was talking to uh, Nicodemus, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. And you will know when you are. (laughs) Yes, and you will know when you are. Yes, you will, because it's all of a sudden your eyes are opened. And you can see, yeah. and you, you you can see and know and love the one who died for you, and uh, know the price that he paid for you. Imagine there isn't any other religion or uh, belief system in the world where actually God gives His life. There was the Bible says God so loved the world that He gave, and there and there's no greater love than that. And uh, we we have experienced that love and that grace and that mercy where God took our lives and 
all the things that we did in our lives before, he forgave us, and he gave us a brand new life. We, it's like we started life all over again. And uh, I like to say it, it's a wonderful life to know Jesus Christ. So um, for the people that are in the chat room and the people that are listening, you can know that grace and mercy today. And uh, it's as simple as asking Jesus Christ to come in. Ask him to prove himself to be real to you. If he is God, and that's the question that I asked Jesus when I asked him into my life. I said, if you are God and you are who you say you are, then prove yourself real to me and change my life. And he did. He did. It, it was such a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the you miracle. Know, and this is, this is a, in fact, it's, uh, it's written for us right in the beginning of Revelation. <clears throat> for those who are believers and for those who are born again, this whole scenario of what's going to happen in Revelation, it is not doom and gloom. Right. I mean, there is going to be a tough time for some believer for for believers. I mean, not some, it's for all. There's going to be a tough time coming. But we have a hope that Jesus Christ is with us, for one thing. We will get through it, and if we don't, if we are killed for it, definitely we have a reward for it. And there is such a fear when somebody starts talking about 666 or somebody talks about the Antichrist or tribulation period, there is automatically a fear of, oh, no, I don't want to learn about that. You know, God gave us a whole book of the Bible dedicated to warning us of what's coming. But it's it's actually, for me, is an exciting time to see these events in my lifetime that the prophets talked about 4,000 years ago, that Christ talked about 2,000 years ago, that I get to see it in my lifetime, his return. And if that is not something that comes as a hope to you or as a blessing to you, then, again, you've got to get yourself into that book of life because there is a peace that comes to you for that, for knowing. And to me, knowledge is power. Yes. If you know what's coming, you'll know how to prepare. <clears throat> and That's there's right. so many examples I could give. I mean, it's like if you live up in Michigan by me and you know there's a blizzard coming, you prepare a certain way for that. And I also have tornadoes in my state. When you have a tornado warning, there is a different way that you prepare for that. Same thing with the book of Revelation. God has given us a warning, and he is telling us how to prepare for that. And one thing is, you either get your name into the book of life, or you take a mark of the beast. And whatever you decide will be your outcome when it's over. And to me, it is so simple. But then again, it is that fear that people put into their heads that the book of Revelation is something scary. It's, it, it, it can be scary if you're not in the book of life. <laughs> it will be scary. It will be, be very scary. It will be horrible for you to know that you have no hope. And at the same time, for those who do have Christ as their Savior, it is a whole different feeling because you know what's coming and you know how to prepare for it. And you know that he's with you through it. That is the big thing. That's your blessed hope. 
Such a blessed hope. I, I have a a few people in the chat room, uh, and uh, I just want to, uh, I know Black Free Thinkers uh, was asking for God to show him a midnight sunrise, and I, I, I told him that forget the midnight sunrise, just ask God to change you. Uh, if, if Jesus is real and who he says he is, he can change you. And he doesn't have to show you a midnight sunrise and to uh, perform something like that. I also have uh, someone, chains are broken. They've been asking for 35 years and nothing, and they had to do it themselves. So I don't understand uh, exactly what that means. So what is this little bit, you know, this is what's called a bargaining with God. If you do this, I'll believe. Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. If you don't believe that, a midnight sunrise is not going to help you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you that's what. That's good. Now, that's good. Exactly. So you have to believe that, okay, you know Jesus was on the earth, and I can imagine that, that these two people know that he's would uh, that he he's been on the earth. But, yes, he rose again from the dead. So you have to believe that in order to accept who Jesus Christ was. Right. So yes, and you if don't you don't if night. you don't believe that, you know, you could have uh, you could have the moon fall out of the sky into your backyard and you still wouldn't <laughs> believe. So, you know, it, it's That's just right. you know, then, then kind of people, it's it you feel sorry for it because they look for things that are right in front of their face, but yet they're, they got the blinders on. This is where yeah. I was blind, but now I see. Right. And they're still blind. And, and they're, they're looking blind. for signs. Well, I'll tell you what. You're going to be getting signs. You're going to be getting signs like the sun actually turning dark. But, you know, at that point, you might be too late. Yeah. You know, there's going to be signs. And if you read the book of Revelation, it will give you plenty of signs to look for. Yeah. And if you don't believe, you know... You don't believe now what's been proven. You're not gonna, you're not gonna believe later either. But I tell you what, when you start getting a tattoo with ID ink putting that placed upon your hand or upon your forehead, if you see your neighbor getting that, start waking up to what's happening. Yes, start waking up to what's happening. So, we uh, we presented this program to all of you today especially you that don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to let you know about the things that will be happening on the earth. And you can save this program and go back to it a few years from now and see that the things that we have been saying are true. And um, we do these programs, we do, it all, we do them for the body of Christ, and we also do them for people that don't know Jesus Christ because both Christine and myself, we've been there. We know what our lives were like before Christ, and we know what our lives are like now with knowing Jesus Christ and the peace that he brings to us and the promise of eternal life. Um, that is a wonderful thing. So um, I just want to encourage people to uh, listen to our programs. And also, Christine, when is your program on? You're on the Prophecy Zone radio network. When yep, is, and how can people get um, your book? Yep, you can, uh, well, I'll tell you my website right now. It is www.explainthis.us. Um, you can also email me at explainthis at net. Um, 
Prophecy Zone, I, I usually put my name right into the archives um, where it says hosted by Christine Wyke. Um, you, you will see that. The last one that I did was, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the one I did last week there. But it's it says hosted by Christine Wyke right beside the name. So it is something that, um, you know, uh, is a possibility that uh, you could find me that way. I believe it airs at 10 p.m. on Pacific time. I am okay. I'm almost sure about that. So, okay. I usually so they can listen it. to you every week on uh, Prophecy Zone Radio Network on yes, Blog Yes, I'm Talk at Radio. 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on uh, on Wednesdays. And uh, otherwise, I said just go into archives under Prophecy Zone. The last one that I did was uh, Will the United States is the United States in Bible Prophecy. I did a yeah. short 15-minute segment. Oh, on wow. Well, that would be interesting. That's oh, it, it is very oh. interesting. I yeah. Think, um, yep. We'll be, said, doing, a, we'll be doing a, a roundtable uh, for the people that are listening today. We will be having Christine and also Brenda Johnson and Phil Armstrong from the Prophecy Zone Radio Network. Uh, we'll be doing uh, that program on the, uh, I think it's the 18th of June. Yep. It's a Saturday for about 90 minutes. So we'll have all... Four of us will be on. I will be hosting it, and uh, we'll, we'll be talking again about end-time prophecy. But um, I just uh, would like for you, Christine, if you would, to just please pray for our listeners, and we pray for the people in the chat room also. You bet. Amen. Would you like to say a prayer for them? Oh, sure. All right. Okay. Lord, we come together and we thank you, thank you again for this opportunity that you have given us to spread your word, not only the salvation message, but we also have a message of warning that we need to pay attention to. We pray for those who are listening. We pray for those in the chat room who do not know you and that they need to come and know you so that way they will be spared from what is coming as damnation for those names who are not written in the book of life. You put you put us into this world here because you loved us, and you sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for us because you loved us. We just need to accept this gift. It is not something we work for. It is something we just accept. It is free. And we pray for all those who do not have this gift at this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Oh, amen. That's right. That That's wonderful. It's a free gift. It's a free gift, everybody. You don't have to work for it. You can't be good enough uh, to accept it, but um, it is a free gift. So yep, I want and to... you still have time. <laughs> yes, you still have how time. how God's patience is also a gift. You yes. still have time. Yes. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for the people that are in the... Uh, chat room today uh, all you that have listened and have made your comments uh thank you for coming in today and uh listening because you know the word of god never returns void no it does <laughs> so not. uh we know how uh god saved us and people that shared the gospel with me and that word was planted in my heart and it bore fruit so i want to thank you so much christine for another great program Hey, thank you very much for having me, Susan. Yes, thank you, and I look forward to hopefully talking with you again in the next few weeks on our roundtable. Got it. All right. Okay, God bless. Thank you. 
All right, everybody. Um, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for being in the chat room today. And uh, I want to let you know that God loves you. He loves you very much. And uh, you will never know uh, a love like the love of God and uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and our blessed Redeemer. God so loved the world that he gave, and he is offering you a free gift today of eternal life. And it's yours for the asking. All you have to do is ask him for it, and uh, he will give it to you, and you will have a new life. I want to hear your <laughs> your testimonies. Uh, we'd love to hear them. And uh, please come again. Uh, Monday I will be on the Prophecy Zone radio network on Blog Talk Radio at uh, 2 p.m. Uh, for a one-hour program on 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And next Saturday uh, on Blog Talk Radio at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with my prophetic news broadcast. So please tune in again. God bless you all. Bye-bye. I'm going to a city that's set on a hill Its ruler and maker is the Lord God above Oh, I'm going to a city And it's set on a hill And someday I'll be in heaven And there'll be no sorrow there Oh, I'm going to a city It lies four square The gates are made of jasper And I'll see Jesus there I'm going to a city on a hill And someday I'll be in heaven And there'll be no sorrow there